This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Don't stop, keep moving. You know, it's amazing to think of all the things that are happening at Celebration Church and, uh, you know, it's exciting to be here this morning and to be a part of it. And I just got to say that everyone looks pretty good today and uh, you, look, you look good, Celebration Church, you, you do. And uh, we, we, we don't just want to look good, we want to we be good. And, you know, I think about all the things that are happening, our youth... Our youth camp is centered around outreach, so it's not really a camp, it's actually, we're going into one of the poorest places in Mutari, the city, and our whole camp's dedicated to serving those who may not know Jesus, who have nothing. And again, if you're looking at what God's doing in our youth, it's, it's absolutely massive. Um, we planted a church out this past week, um, close to Dama Falls, we've seen unity in churches like never before in this nation. Um, we're starting to get a lot more people involved, everyone say involved. We're starting to get a lot more people involved. And so the, the tendency maybe is to sit back and say, hey, we're doing a pretty good job. This is good. But how many of you know God never wants us to stay where we are? He's never like, hey, well done. Um, now you can have a chill for like 10 years. And then uh, after 10 years of chilling, then we'll get back and do something else. If you look at a, a mountain climber, whenever he climbs a peak of a mountain or a hill, he never sits there and says, well, well, that's it. I mean, it, after we climbed Kilimanjaro for, you know, project relocation, we had, uh, everyone came off the mountain going, now we've got to do Everest. And I'm looking at guys like, no ways. You cried the whole way up. How would you do Everest if you really had an issue with Kilimanjaro? I want us to go to the scripture real quick. Romans uh, 14, Romans 15, actually. And I'm going to go just back to, to 14 real quick and then we'll, we'll pray. The end of Romans 14 says this, if the way you live isn't consistent with what you believe, then it's wrong. Then later on in, that cha- in, in, uh, in the chapter 15, it says, oh, may the God of green hope fill you up with joy, fill you up with peace, so that your believing lives filled with the life-giving energy of the Holy Spirit will brim over with hope. I'm going to ask you something today. Do you feel like you are full of peace and full of joy? And do you feel like your life is brimming over with joy consistently from a Monday to the end of a Sunday where people are like, wow, there's just so much joy around you right now. Like, you got so much joy, I can feel it rubbing on me. Did anyone feel like that right now? <clears throat> when God wants to do a big move, One of the things that we have to do is not try and move all the time. I know that lots of people feel like, hey, you know, Tommy, listen, the next big move was my confirmation to leave the country. I'm going to make a big move, right? You see, you know, husbands feel the pressure, like we've got to make a big move, babe. Um, It's the season, the church is saying it, we've got to say it. But when God wants to do a big move, we don't have to feel that pressure, All we have to do is understand what he is doing in his movement and have our our moves funnel into his movement. When I was was graduating primary school, they gathered all of us together and I went to an all-boys school and they said, hey, we are going to have a 
dance with an all-girls school. And so all the boys got really excited. But I wasn't that excited because I didn't know how to dance. And I still don't know how to dance. And so I was thinking about this. How do I go to a dance if I can't dance? Like, you know, and then I was thinking through the scenarios. Maybe I could be that really, you know, kind of like cool mystic guy who's just kind of like sitting, drinking a Coke and never does anything. And, and I was like, but, but, but I don't know if that's going to be the best, you know, outcome of this. And so I remember the teacher said to us, because a lot of us, again, I'm the firstborn, so I don't have like, a, like an older brother teaching me things. Uh, my dad's not a good dancer either. Uh, my mom, I don't know. And so, uh, so I'm in the dark here. And I remember one of the teachers said, hey, I know some of you may not know how to dance, so I'm going to teach you a move. And if you do this move, the entire night you are going to be fine. So now I'm excited. I'm saying, this is going to be great. I can't wait to know what this move is. And so she says, all right, guys, everyone stand up at your desks. This is how the move is. You don't have to think too much. Hold on, hold on, real quick, real quick. You don't have to think too much. All you've got to do is you just build a house. So she says, she's explained. She says, you just got to do this, like, Lay the foundation, build the sides, throw the ceiling, throw the roof. So now here I am, naive. I'm seeing this move. I'm like, this is my ticket out. So now I go home. I'm practicing. Now we get to the dance floor, and I find out who I'm supposed to be dancing with. This is some sort of like a rigged system. And I go in, and the music starts, and guess what I do? I'm there the whole time, the entire night, the four hours of dance, I'm building that house, baby. Just, I'm building that house, and then I'm improvising, I'm getting a little, and you, you know that the girls are looking like, what is that guy doing? Like, I'm building my house, man. And, and, and the way it was, it was, then you start improvising, you're like, all right, and you, and you start telling, the problem is that I think they started seeing that I was actually saying it, like, you gotta build a foundation, you gotta through the sides, you gotta have the ceiling, you gotta build the roof, you gotta do the chimney, and then the smoke comes out the chimney. And so the whole time I'm doing this move and it gets me through the night. <clears throat> Thanks guys for the music. So, so one of the things, if we understand what God is doing, we don't have to worry about all the moves, we have to get into His move and He will get us through whatever we have to go through. And I know it's a little cheesy, but I feel like it fits right now. That, that thing got me through now, I don't dance like that now, okay? Um, my wife and I have figured it out. We, we do our own thing, and it's, it's very chilled, okay? <laughs> I, I want us to turn to 1 Samuel 17, and let's go. <clears throat> I want us to paint a picture real quick, because in this passage, we're going to follow the story of David, and then we're going to look at what it means to keep going. Don't stop. Keep going moving. God never is fine with us. He's never happy with us and says, that's, that's it. We don't, need, we don't need anything more from you. And so here's what we have with David. He's walking towards the army and he says, why is everything so quiet? Aren't I coming up on a battlefield? He's got his cheese He's walking intently. What is he going to see? 
And as he, as he nears, he says, I don't hear anything. Surely on a battlefield, there's some shouts of victory here and there, or there's some chants back and forth, or there's some sort of ruckus happening where there's swords clashing, and he's like, I don't hear anything. How many of you know that when you don't hear something, we may not be victorious at that point? When it's silent, we're not winning the battle, right? It's like when we talk about tithing in church and the person next to you is just very quiet. It's like, how, how's that battle? It's, when you ask your brother, like, how are you doing in this area? And they go super quiet. You know that's probably not an area that they're winning in. So when there's quiet, David's saying, why is, there so much, why is it so quiet? I should be hearing clashing of swords. I should be hearing chants of victory. And he comes in and to his dismal, to, to, to his dismal perspective, he sees that his people aren't engaging in the battle. And I want us to paint a picture because it's important. He looks back and, 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 and in 1 Samuel 17 verse 28, we have Goliath and the smaller Philistines and we have the Israelite army and now the Israelite army has this reputation of greatness. Everyone say reputation of greatness. How many of you know that as God's people, we have a reputation of greatness? And their descendants of Moses parted the seeds. Noah, who was chosen by God and built a giant boat with his own sweat and strength, are where they descended from. These guys have it together. They've got a legacy. And here we have David and his brothers and his friends. For 40 days, they haven't made a single move. And they're in this place of stagnancy. And you and, and, and David comes around and he says, why aren't we moving? And he starts asking questions. What's going on here? And the guys say, listen, here's the deal. What, what ended up happening is this guy comes out 40 days. Every day he taunts us. He chants at us. He makes us feel so inferior. And we go out and then we go back. We go out and we go back. And David's like, but don't you know who you are? You see, David's brothers and the Israelite army had a concept of who God was. But David comes into the situation with a conviction of who his God is. And, and concept will never change the world, but conviction will change the world around us. There's so many people who have a concept of God. Yeah, I know he's probably up there. Hey, I, I, I know that we're on the front lines. I know God probably wants to give us Goliath's head, but we don't have that conviction. And so David starts asking different people, so, so what, what's our plan here? I don't, I don't know about the plan right now. All, all we know is that every day is kind of set for us. The menu is given to us by them. And they ask us for one guy each time. They ask us for one person to go out and defeat this Goliath. And all of a sudden there's this like flashback in David's head. He's like, you know what, I kind of remember this. The histories that have been passed down, these historical stories of the Israelites, where they get fearful of these giants. So he goes back to the time where the promised land was right there. And two people came back and said, hey, we can take this promised land. But the rest of the people were so nervous, they didn't have a conviction of who God was. They had a concept of maybe we'll have the promised land. And he looks back and, he, and, he's, and, he, and he's thinking, there's... There seems to be a pattern here, guys. There's a pattern that when we 
have an issue, we kind of just stay stagnant. Last time it was for 40 years. Now it's been 40 days. We've got to move, man. We can't stay here. We have to move. So he starts asking different people, okay, so, so, so we understand that if, I, if, if, if anyone kills this man, they get a lot of reward, right? Girls and money and other stuff. And, and, and so he's like, I, I, need an, I need to understand that. But then he says, okay, I, I, I would like to do this. But then his brothers come. And how many of you have had those brothers that whenever you try and step out, they keep putting you back in your place? Right? Everyone. Did you hear that? That rumble in the crowd? <laughs> and he says, and his brothers overhear him asking these questions and they say, what are you doing? We know exactly why you are here, David. You just want to see some of the action. Why don't you go back and cut the cheese? You're excellent at that stuff. You came here to serve us cheese, right? How many of you know that sometimes you think you're doing something and God completely changes you in a different direction? But we have to have started at the beginning of doing something. And so here he is, and he says, okay, well, I, I, I think I would, I would like to do this. But, but, but the brothers say, no, you're not a, you are not a warrior. Look at you. You haven't done abs. You haven't done uh, leg lifts. You can tell that your chest is very small, David. You can't do anything. Isn't it funny how when people aren't moved by their conviction, they're bold in all the wrong places? Have you ever seen someone on social media, like they're massively, like they make big moves on their social media status, right? So you'll see like, like, like a social media status, someone saying, the next trillionaire who you've been waiting for with a selfie like this. <laughs> then you see guys who are bald on their social media and, and they, they're like, like, like sitting next to like a, like a Porsche car. Snap. And then you ask them like, so is that your car? Nope. <laughs> so why would you take a picture by it? Just to look cool. Someone says, I'm, 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 I'm Africa's next, I, I know. I've seen this before, and maybe you've seen it. I'm who you've been waiting for. No, that's not true. I've not been waiting for you. But then you meet them in person, and they're definitely not who you've been waiting for. You shake their hand, and you're like, are you that guy who looks so posh on social media, and you're the person who can't even look me in the eye right now? When we're not moved by conviction, we're bold in all the wrong places. We're making moves in all the wrong places. And God's like, man, if you would just channel that energy in the right place, we could do so much. And here you have, you have, you have the brothers making moves against David. You need to be back in your place, sir. Let us go out and fight, but you're not fighting. Yes, but that's still our job. And they're on the front lines taking selfies with Goliath in the back like... See that guy? We're going to defeat him one day. Um, we're not sure when. Army pose. Bold in all the wrong places. Ask your neighbor, are you making big moves in the wrong place? Are your movements lining up with God's move? So here we see this stagnancy in the Israelite army. Everyone say stagnancy. Now Goliath doesn't represent this Harry Terry, uh, I don't even know what that means, Harry Terry. Uh, he, it, doesn't, it doesn't represent this, this like person who's like killing people. He, he represents 
stagnancy in our life. If he can keep us stagnant and not moving forward and every day we're doing the same thing and we're like, well, that's, that's just the way it is. We come out, we come back and as long as we can have a meal together, together as, as army men, then we're okay. As long as we can just get by the day. Have you ever felt like that in Zim? If we can just get by. We just don't want any, any, anything else to happen. Goliath, if he can just be doing that, then we're okay, guys. He's not coming any closer. He stays in the same place. We can still have our cheese. You ever felt like that? Stagnancy. And it can creep in. Some of the things that we talk about in, in, in the teams that I build is something called the slide zone. It's the zone where you never actually decide to get worse, but you do. Right? Remember when you used to work out every day? Like you would get up at 6 a.m. at the pin of a drop? The drop of a pin, sorry? Anything would wake you up and you go straight to the gym. Playing music in your ear. You never woke up and said, today's the day that I am stopping being fit. Today is the day that I will stop working out. You don't wake up and say, today is the day I will stop romancing my wife. It just hits in the slide zone. And all of a sudden, we're looking at ourselves and we're saying, is this really us? Is this me? <laughs> when we first moved into our house, the builders left a bunch of food. So we walk into our house, babe, welcome home. And there's cockroaches that have been living there before us. <laughs> so now, you know, initially you're like, I, I am not having this. This is not my house. So me and Rach, we go out and we find the greatest stuff and the stuff you buy in the stores doesn't work because in Zimbabwe we have these, like, I don't know, ninja turtle type cockroaches, man. These things, you can't kill them. That and rats. They, they, you can't buy the stuff on the store. You gotta go into Mbari and pay a guy to go find stuff that's kind of illegal and then you put the powder on. <laughs> I understand. So, so we, put, we put all this stuff out and all of a sudden we start seeing them just die. And you know, it, it's amazing how victorious you feel when you see dead cockroaches. You're like, yeah, that's what's up. You see these cockroaches start dying. Every day you're like, we made a victory together, babe. And, and so, but, but we kind of started getting used to it because it takes a while, right? And then the rains came and something happened and I guess they had babies. And then they came back. And, and, and I'm, I know I'm getting a little open here. All of a sudden, we became okay with seeing cockroaches. It was like, oh yeah, there, there he is. <laughs> you almost start, you, you start entertaining what shouldn't be there at all. You start noticing who they are and giving a lot of attention. And you say, oh, baby, did you see that? Those two had a baby, sweet, eh? <laughs> and then one day I was like, how have I let this happen? How am I okay with cockroaches in my house? And it, had, it took someone else coming over saying, dude, you got cockroaches, man. I was like, yeah, I do. What are you leaving that's been stagnant where you've started to entertain what shouldn't be there and you start saying, hey, 
Let me do what I need to do to be bold, but I'm not bold in the right places. I'm letting the enemy take way too much ground. Where do you need to get a little bit of spiritual agitation? Because so often we can get to a place where we're just like, as long as we're doing the same old, we're okay. 2009, I met a guy. I was having lunch and he came over and he's like, you know, 2009 was an interesting period. And he said, um, so, you know, hang in there, T. Things are going to change in this country. It's just around the corner. Last week, I had lunch with another guy. <clears throat> he comes to me, he says, just wait. <laughs> just around the corner. I'm saying, how big is this corner? We're just turning. I hope there's something good on the other side because we've been turning a long time. But, but again, we get happy being in this place where the conversation is, well, tomorrow. Heck no, we're not waiting for a comeback story. We have a comeback story. And you know who that comeback story is? That comeback story is Jesus. But why do we get to a place where we get to the battle line every single time and just, well, that's the way it is. Do we understand who we have? We're not like the Old Testament guys that are constantly waiting, a Messiah must come. We have the Messiah. We have him. And we have his promises too. And I want to show us why we get into this place. Let me, let, me, let me kind of show you this real quick. Um, this, is, this is how you're not part of God's big move. If you, if you were in this place, if you could put the slide up real quick. This is a question that I think a lot of the guys on the front line, and again, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, were saying, who is serving me? Who's loving me? I point out what everyone else needs to work on. David, you need to go back. David, you need to go tend the sheep. David, you're not fit here. And I have a concept of God that I'm content with. If you want to stay stagnant, that's how we have to be asking and that's how we have to be thinking. I think like this sometimes. It's really easy to get into this. Who's loving me? Who's loving me online? Who hearted my picture? Who's sending me emojis with love eyes? Here's how we should be. If we want to be in what God is doing and his move, here's what we should be saying. Who should I be serving and loving? What do I need to work on? And I have a conviction of who God is. If you have a concept of who God is, you'll be stagnant. And in 10 years from now, we'll be looking back and going, well, doing the same stuff I did 10 years ago. God wants to take us from glory to glory and strength to strength. But he can't do this if all we have is a concept, if we're constantly looking at who's loving us and constantly pointing out what everyone else needs to do. We have to look at what God has called us to do. Turn to your neighbor and say, who's loving you? <clears throat> we can look at this in our tithing and our finances. Many people have, have come back and they say, we're expecting a move from God, Tom. We're expecting a big move. Okay, are you giving more? Have you changed anything or we become stagnant? Because God is not pumped about stagnancy. He does not look down and go, well done, my good and stagnant faithful servant. No. He's looking saying, what, 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 are, you, what are you doing? And sometimes I think we have this wrong concept of God. 
And I feel like, I, I feel like I've even had this concept as a pastor's son, and I, and I don't know why, but I'll, I'll be honest with, with how this is. Um, but, but let me ask you, where is your spiritual agitation levels? Because if you're not frustrated at a given point, you will never move to the next point. If you're not frustrated being out of God's move, you will never move into God's movement. So think about places in your life where you become stagnant, and every single person has those. Well, uh, I, you know, I, I, we were speaking at Cell Group the other day, and I won't mention who it was, um, but the person was like, you know, for the past two years, I've told myself every morning I'm going to wake up and go for a run. Two years later, I'm not running. Now, now here's the thing with that, is we start becoming okay with lying to ourselves. And, and I don't know if you're there right now, but I think every single one of us has that place. God is saying, I want you to move in faith. I want you to move in hope. I want you to move, I want you to be overflowing with hope so that when you're around people, you're not like, yeah, we're getting by, man. We're getting by. What is God doing and how are we part of his movement? That's the most key thing that we have to focus on. Do you have a concept of who God is or a conviction? Because if we have a concept of who God is, we will always go back to, well, the Bible says this. But if we have a conviction, we're saying, I know that the word allows me to do this. And we start acting upon the word. We start saying, no way, cockroaches, are you going to be in my house? Because I know that I have authority against you. But so often we come back and, 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 and I want to show you how this works because our concept of God and who he is and our conviction of who he is changes the way that we do things. And I want to show you how. Um, what, what, what does the Bible say? I want, I, want, I want to turn to this real quick. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians 3. And we're going to come back there just now. But I want you to listen to this. Tell your neighbor, listen. Okay, real quick. <clears throat> David comes back, and he finally has this, this thing with Saul, right? And Saul says, okay, I want you to go out and fight Goliath. Now, first of all, he says, oh, man, you're the guy who's been speaking about destroying this, 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 this giant? David's like, yes, I am. He's like, oh, bummer. You're way too young. That's how the story goes. You should just go back. You can't do this. And what does David do? He pushes back. He says, Saul, hold on. Um, I know who God's called me to be. I know I have a conviction of who he is and what he wants for us together. Even the cowards, he wants them to be set free. And Saul says, okay, you know what? Maybe you'll be a sacrificial lamb. But let me give you my armor. Go out and take my cloak and go out and fight, right? And then again, David says, ah, Saul, I honor you, right? We've got to honor. That's got to be part of this whole movement process. Then he says, but I got to push back. I can't take your armor. Sometimes we've got to push back a little bit on what's been given to us from a previous generation. Sometimes your fathers and mothers have given you things and it's kind of okay, but it's a little heavy. And if you don't push back, you might be David in the battlefield 
with such heavy armor, and you're just like, oh my gosh, this is just tough. And, and, and it wasn't dishonor, it was just, I can't do it like you did. And so often in this nation, which, and again around the world, uh, in lots of parts of Africa, we just try and make sure that we, we, we honor in a weird way. Okay, whatever you give me, let's just do it. You want me to go out with like, you know, with big swords and big axes? Okay, let's go. But David had to be true and, and, and he had to come back to who God had called him to be. So we go to look at that. So he goes out and we know the story. He takes five stones from, from the brook. He destroys Goliath. And, and here's what I want us to understand. Is if we've been in a stagnant pattern, sometimes the battle is easier than any battle you fought before. The stone was the easiest thing to throw. Before, he wrestled a lion with his bare hands. How much more difficult would that have been? That's a difficult piece. I mean, you're wrestling a lion with your bare hands. Have you seen a lion? You go to Lion in Cheetah Park. You see those things? And this bigger giant was easier to kill because he was with, in line with what God was doing for his people. We've got to jump into line with what God's doing, but it has to come from a concept of who he is. So I think I used to have this concept of, of God, and, and, and maybe you have this, maybe you've had it, but how do we view him? Where is he right now? I thought that maybe God is sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus, sorry, is sitting at the right hand of the throne of God like this. And he got up there and, and, and after the cross and uh, God looks at him and says, hey, that's tough, huh? And he's like, yo, man, I just hope those guys are worth it. Have you ever felt like that before? We're like, I just gotta make it worth it for Jesus. And maybe you have this, this, this idea of, okay, um, I, I think maybe God is like looking constantly at what I'm doing wrong. And I've got to constantly prove to him that I'm okay. And so we have this kind of like fear aspect, like God, I just, let me just keep on the straight and narrow. Let me just keep doing what, 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 what the word says and, 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 and that's, that's important, but we have this kind of fear aspect of who God is. Have you ever felt like that before? Maybe you had this idea of he's enjoying heaven so much. So like, you know, the angels are like buzzing around him with like grapes and strawberries and he's just like, this is amazing. And then whoever rocks up to heaven, he looks up and he's like, oh good, glad you made it. Well done, well done for, for persevering. But do you, know, do you know where Jesus is seated right now? Do you know his position? Because it'll change the way that we do things. Um, let, let, me, let me read this to you real quick. Christ's ascension to heaven was a historical event. He actually left earth and was physically seen to ascend into the heavens. However, the heavens he went to were not the corporal heavens of sun and moon and stars. When St. Paul says he ascended above the heavens in Ephesians 4 verse 10, this meant not only above the stellar regions, but even above spiritual heavens. Christ is seated above spiritual heavens and his place in heaven above all the angels and the saints, he ascended to the throne of God the Father and now is at the right hand in heavenly places and he is fighting for us, he is praying for us, he is at the edge of his seat just like we're at the edge of our seat when we look at someone we're about to marry. If you think about this, we are the bride of Christ. How does a groom look at his bride? 
And this changed the way that I started acting. It changed the way that I started doing things. Because when I was going to marry Rach, right, it was the best day of my life. And I didn't sit and look at my bride from this stage, because this is where we got married, and fold my arms and look and go, eh. I hope she's everything she's told me she is. I hope there aren't any like weird things that, she has, that, that, that I'm going to discover, secret things later on the line. No. When I saw her come through those doors and our eyes connected, I was at the edge of my seat. I, was, I could not wait to be with her. I could not wait to hug her. I could not wait. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't wait. And... And, 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 and when she was coming to me, she didn't sit on every aisle at the end and chat to the person next to them while she was coming up. Like, let me just sit there. Hey, uh, Tommy, sorry, just hang on there. I'm just going to hang out here with, you know, Brother Bill. I'm like, no, you're not hanging with Brother Bill. She came straight for me. And so there's this amazing connection where if we understand where Jesus is, he didn't just die on the cross to save us. He died on the cross. That was taken care of. But right now, He's at the edge of the seat, and he's saying, I just want to know you. I just want to love you. I just want you to connect with me. And so often, if we're in that place of stagnancy, we're sitting when we should be walking down the aisle saying, I want to connect with you. So how do we view Jesus? Because it's the same way that you would view your bride, or the same way that you would view, view, view your groom. And, 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 and maybe if we picture him differently, it'll change the way that we act and behave. Because God is saying, I wanna, I wanna pour my spirit on you, right? In Acts, it says that in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will see dreams. They will prophesy. God wants to pour himself. He's saying, I just can't wait till you connect with me. I just can't wait till you, till you ask me to do big things. So here's my next question is, if we're gonna be in God's move, what are we asking for? Have a big ask that you won't compromise. Again, I, I, want, I want us to think about this real quick because like I said, we're not waiting for a comeback story. We're not in this place of stagnancy and many people get a little bit scared. They start something in the spirit and they're like, this is amazing, God's gonna bless me, God's gonna do amazing things, I'm gonna be a blessing to other people around me and then we get a little bit nervous because there's a Goliath in our life and we say, hang on, um, let's just try and figure it out together here. And we surround ourselves with people who say the same stuff. God is the author and perfecter of our stagnancy. No, he is the author and perfecter of our faith. And so if we can, if we can keep him writing the story, it's not done yet. Many people are saying, well, well, I still haven't seen what I'm waiting for. He's still perfecting it. He's still perfecting you. He's still perfecting your faith. He's still perfecting the outcome. But as long as we stay in faith, but if we move into doubt, we have taken the pen from the author and perfecter and we have started writing our own story. And God is like, I just want you to connect with me. I want you to love me and I want you to trust me. How many of us have taken the pen away and we started to write our own story? And Jesus is like, you shouldn't have done that. I'm trying to perfect this. I'm trying to complete this. The story's not over. 
But if we're in a state of stagnancy, we've taken the pen away from God. Any point in your life where you're stagnant, you've stopped moving in faith. Because you can tell by your conversation. The way that we ask determines where we are. So let me show you this real quick. Um, if you can go to Ephesians 3. What, what, were, what were the Israelites at the battle line asking for? Think about, think about what they were asking for. They're God's people. They have a concept of God. But what are they asking for? You know what I think they're asking for? Every day. God, can I just have a little bit of bread to make sure that we get through today? God, can we just make sure that Goliath doesn't come any closer? Lord, if you would just preserve us one more day. And God's like, oh man, I wish, I wish you would ask differently. What are we asking for? Because I found myself sometimes asking just for Lord, would you just bless my meal? Lord, would you just make us have a good day today? And God's like, I'm at the edge of my seat. I'm waiting to move powerfully in your life. I can't wait till you ask me for some big things. Here's what it says in Ephesians 3. It says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundant beyond all that we ask or think according to the power of working within us, to him be the glory in the church, and in Jesus Christ for all generations forever and ever. L look at this. To him who is able to do more than we can think or ask, some verses say imagine. Think, ask, or imagine. That means there's got to be a period of thinking and asking. What are you thinking and asking for right now? What are we thinking for and asking for as a nation in Zimbabwe? And, and I'm not saying from a position of concept. I'm saying from conviction. Because God is saying, you know, so often we get into a place where we're like, okay, God, if you just give us a good day, he's like, I, I can go beyond that. I'm just going to go a little bit beyond that. We've got to have a starting point. There's got to be a place that he can go beyond. So if all we're doing is asking, Lord, can you just help me with my depression? He's saying, I'll go a little bit beyond that. I'll help you with a little bit of your depression. God, can you just make sure my family's okay? Okay, I mean, I can do that. I'll go a little bit beyond but he's saying, ask of me of the nations. Ask me of things that, 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 that are global in impact. And, but you're asking me, and, and again, this state of stagnancy we can get in where we're just like, can we just get by? Lord, can we, can we please have a holiday? I'll give you a holiday. But I want you to ask for more than that. Because he can only go by what we ask because that's where our faith is. So if we're not asking correctly, or we're not thinking correctly, he's just saying, man, I, I wish you would be running down the aisle towards me. You see, look at this. <clears throat> James 4 verse 2 says, you desire, but you do not have. So you kill. You kill the momentum. You kill the vibrancy. You kill the hope. You covet, but you cannot get. And you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not Ask, what are we asking for, Celebration Church? 
Are we asking for God to pour out his spirit and move in us and move through us in a powerful way? You know, the, um, Dennis Muru, uh, the guy who is uh, leading our youth, is an amazing guy, amazing youth leader. He came um, a few weeks back and he said, hey, Tom, listen, my son has been diagnosed with bone marrow cancer, right? And, and it's amazing because we can, again, in our state of stagnancy, be like, well, there's another one down. And we can say, well, that, I guess that's just where it is, isn't it? Lord, we just pray for peace in the family. God's like, I'll give you peace. I'll give you a whole lot more than peace. I'll give you a lot of peace. You know what? We didn't even let him finish the sentence. We got people around him saying, that is a lie from hell. Your son is gonna be fine. We're gonna pray for him right now. You go back and you get those tests and you come back and prove that God has completely changed his life and it'll be a testimony to the whole family. He goes back two weeks later, he writes back, he says, yep, yeah, just as we said, um, there's no cancer. It's just a bit of inflammation. So again, what are we asking for? Because if we don't get enough spiritual agitation to where something happens in your life and you're like, no way, I know what God has said. I know that I can ask for the nations. I know that what I think and ask, he can do beyond. But we go, oh, well, that's, that's, that's it now. That's, oh, well, we just gotta pray for perseverance. We just gotta pray for some peace. God's like, no. Why are you asking me that? I want to go beyond the big things. I want to go beyond those great things. If you jump into the move of what I'm doing. How powerful is that scripture? It's huge. Psalm 2 verse 7 says, I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord, he said. You are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask me and I will surely give you the nations as your inheritance. This is part and parcel of what we inherit and the very ends of the earth as your possession. How incredible is that? God wants to do more than we can think, ask, or imagine, but we have to think right, and we have to ask right. If you've been in that place where you feel like you're at the end and you're in the stagnant cycle, ask God, Lord, how do I get out of this? Not who's loving me, but who do I need to love? What do I need to work on? Where am I asking wrong? Where am I thinking wrong? And what are you doing, God, that I can see? You don't want to be in the next 10 years, look back and say, man, it's just gone to a state of stagnancy for like five to 10 years. God wants us to go from faith to faith and glory to glory. But it's the way that we ask. And some of you, some of us, need to start getting a little bit spiritually agitated with where we are. We gotta say, no way. And many people say, well, Tom, listen, there's issues though. Yes, there's issues. But the Bible says we can overcome every issue, right? That's the pattern in scripture. We can overcome any battle that we have. We are overcomers with him. And I wanna leave you with this story because I think it's really important. Um, when we were in high school, and I'm gonna end with this. When we were in high school, we would go to uh, an orphanage in town and all we would do is go and preach the gospel play guitar preach the gospel give some food hang out with the guys and you never know what people are taking from your life and anyway didn't didn't think much of it uh this guy comes uh comes to me two weeks ago and he says hey man um i want to tell you a story because when you guys came and told about the bigness of who jesus is and the bigness of our god 
I held on to that for the past 10 years. And I said, really? And he said, God showed me a vision that I would run for him and I would be an athlete and a runner. And that's what I've been wanting to do. And so I've been staying in community. I've been, I've been around different people and, and, and nothing, nothing seems to be working. The guys that I sign up with here don't work. Um, I, can't, I can't ever get enough money to pay for things here. But he says, but it's amazing because I kept coming back to God can do beyond what we can think, ask, or imagine. And he says, so I kept on waking up every day saying, God, I know you've called me to run and I need to be trained in America. He says, I need to be trained in the US because training here isn't, isn't the best. This is according to him. So I'm saying, okay, um, so what happened? He says, well, um, the guy that I was living with or training with ditched me. He gave up on me. And he says, but, but, but he wasn't, what I was looking for, I was looking back to Jesus. Then he says, and then one day I was just running because I kept on training, knowing that God's gonna take me to America to get better. And he says, and I kept on training and one day some guy sees me running on the street and says, sorry, sir, who are you? You've got amazing form. And the guy said, yeah, this is who I am. He says, I wanna train you for free because I used to run and I can see that you've got massive potential. Just keeps doing what he's doing. But I remember his asking and his thinking wasn't stagnant, right? And he comes and he says, I knew, I knew. And he says, okay, well, I can maybe get you a, um, a position in Spain, but we're gonna have to raise money. And he comes back, he says, yeah, but I, I, know, I know God showed me the USA. So I'm gonna keep asking for the USA. I'm gonna be, keep thinking about the USA. And he says, and the words that you said when you guys came to our orphanage just kept on ringing in my heart. And he says, and then I, uh, so I kept on doing, um, and then uh, one thing led to the next, and this guy couldn't pay for anything anymore, the guy that had picked me up on the street, and then I kept on getting better, my times were getting better, I filmed myself on something, I submitted an application to Indiana Tech, and here's the papers, I just got a full ride scholarship to Indiana Tech, and I'm going, I'm going to the USA. But, but you gotta, you got to know, he says this, he says, he says, and it's amazing because they've covered all my school board and they've covered everything else. And he says, I just need a little bit of this, but I know God will come through because he's come through every single time. And I've kept on asking for this. I've kept on seeing it. So this guy's faith is like rocking me. I'm like, look at this guy. He comes from a place where why in the world would you have a hope? An orphanage where people, it's just getting worse and worse. So where are you? Where are we? God is wanting to move powerfully in our life. He's wanting to see His Spirit move and, and, and he, wa- he wants to see people saved in droves. He wants us to walk around overflowing with hope that when we walk into a supermarket or when we walk into our workplace, we're just bubbling over with hope. People are like, why? Because I am thinking differently and I am asking differently and I'm asking God to do something beyond what I can think or imagine. I... I can't tell you enough how much I feel like there's gonna be a breaking of stagnancy. There's just gonna be a breaking of stagnancy. But it's gonna take us being spiritually agitated. I cannot let this happen any longer. And it may not happen from what we see, but it'll happen internally. Like Pastor Tom Mullen said last week, it starts inside. When you say you get up and you start thinking differently, you drive differently, you walk differently, you say no. I know, God, what you're wanting to do. And I'm not taking anything less. 10 years from now, what are you saying to yourself now? 10 years from now, are you saying just stay where you are right now? 
Are you saying to yourself now, if, you, if, you're, if, you, if 10 years from now you just met yourself, what would you say to you now? Get back into gym. Take prayer seriously. Get involved in church. Don't let your giving get stagnant. Don't let your faith get stagnant. Don't stop praying for people who are sick. Don't stop laying hands on people who are, who are broken. Don't stop casting out demons. If we get spiritually agitated, we're gonna throw off this blanket of stagnancy. So I want, us, I want us to pray. If you want to pray with me, I want you to stand up. Let's just pray together. I want to lead us in a prayer. And as we do this, I want you to see something. Can you, can you picture something with me quick? I, I, want, I want you to picture, like, just kind of like a, like a, like a covering over you, just like a covering over you. And maybe that represents stagnancy. But I want you to think about places in your life where you've, you've started to entertain the stagnancy. Where you've just been like, well, that's just how it is. And as we pray, I want you to, I want you to see this thing just breaking off and just crumbling and disintegrating. And I want you to see Jesus as he is at the edge of his seat saying, just move. Just make the move into what I am doing. Just make the move into my movement. I believe many people are gonna see things differently than they've ever seen before. And if anyone's ever felt like, like there's like no energy, you're gonna get your energy back. If anyone feels like there's, there's been this fear, you're gonna get your courage back. But you've gotta be convicted, not just concept. So just pray with me, Lord. Lord, I ask for you to move. God, show me my move inside of your movement. Lord, reveal to me where I've been stagnant. Lord, reveal to me where you want to do more in my life. The people you want me to touch those places that I've overlooked. Lord, I ask that your power and your spirit would break it wide open. That the stagnancy in my life would shatter as I choose to see you as a loving father, as an energetic savior, as someone who is moving beyond what I can think, ask, or even imagine. I choose not to be stagnant. I choose not to be stagnant. I'm not stopping, but I'm gonna keep moving. I'm gonna keep moving. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for a power of your spirit that would be in this place. Lord, that it's your presence that changes us. It's not any words of man, but it's your presence and your spirit. So God, I just ask right now that you would set the captives free. Lord, that there would be a spiritual undertaking of where we would completely root stagnancy in our lives. God, that we would wake up tomorrow, Lord, that we would leave this place today with a new step in our walk. Lord, that we would have new visions. Lord, that you said your spirit would pour out through your word. That we would see bigger visions. God, I ask for eyes to be opened blind eyes to be open, 
that there would be more clarity in the lives of everyone in this place. God, show us who to love. Show us what we need to work on. And God, show us what you are doing in this time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit here. Um, and I want, I want you to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit in this season because God's going to channel so much power through us in this season. But, but He won't if we don't expect it. God, God cannot move unless we expect Him to move. He, there's no way He can because our, our faith is not there. He's moved by our faith. Not by our need or our fear or our stagnancy or our frustration. And yeah, we want to, we want to be sensitive in this season, guys. Yes. Sensitive with who you're around. Sensitive with heathens. Sensitive with people who don't know Him. Because God will, show, God will begin to open your eyes to move in power with a, with a complete stranger. But we've got to be ready for that. We've got to be open with that. Amen. I feel like there's someone here who, who you've almost, you, you're just about to kind of write off your victory. You, you're, you're at that place where you're like, I've, I'm, 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 I'm not only in that stagnant place, but I'm al- almost in that place of like surrendering to the enemy or surrendering to the oppression. And I feel, like, I feel like God's saying that as you, as you hit your knees and as you change your confession and as you start, if, if you can stop for the next three to four weeks not saying anything negative about your nation, about your family, about your situation, I will turn it around completely. But it has to start with a conviction. I don't know who that's for today, but, but, but you're, at, you're right at that edge. You're in a place of stagnancy, but, it, but it's almost beyond stagnancy now. Watch God come through for you. Watch God come through for you. Change your confession. Ask differently. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.